We're going to be talking about prayer today. What is prayer? Why would Paul lead us to pray after he's been talking to us about putting on each of the pieces of armor? If you're a guest today, we're traveling through the book of Ephesians. Chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, which leads us into prayer. And so this is a beautiful thing about being battle ready. Why in the world would we pray? Why would we take all this instruction on the armor of God, all of these pieces that Paul has talked about, which are on the outside, as Paul is chained to a Roman guard, he's seeing these pieces and he's giving the imagery of what he's seeing to the church at Ephesus. Now he says, let's move it all into the inside. Prayer is about a relationship that you can have with God through Jesus Christ. And it's not about the armor on the outside. Listen, it's about the man and the woman on the inside. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a relationship with God. And so let's talk about that today. Let's look at verses 18 through 20. Here's what the text says. Coming out of last week, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here's what Paul says in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, circle that, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So let's talk about our relationship with Jesus Christ through prayer. Remember, the book of Ephesians is talking about being strengthened on the inner man. It's talking about being filled with God on the inside. We've learned about Jesus being the fullness and being all in all. He fills all in all. He's the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. So these armor pieces are really about our warrior Messiah. These pieces of armor that we've just looked at the last three weeks are all about the Lord Jesus Christ. This week as I was praying, I was uh, uh, praying each piece of the armor and I got confused. Like I told you in my sermon, I got confused like which piece follows the other piece. And then the Lord said to me, just put on Jesus and it covers everything. So see, that's what Paul's telling us. Paul's talking about a love relationship. I don't want you to think of prayer as a practice. I don't want you to think of prayer as a system of things that you and I have learned, how to pray this acrostic or that acrostic. I want you to think of prayer as Paul thinks of prayer. Prayer is a love relationship with God Almighty. It's not a list of things that we bring God like a grocery list and we tell him, now do something with this list. Listen, prayer is not about a list. It's about love. It's about a relationship. It's about listening to God. It's about communicating with God. It's about resonating with his spirit. So Paul says, first of all, look at verse 18. And praying with all prayer. Stop right there. Prayer is the password that gets us in to the communication on the battlefield, to the front line, where the jet fighters really land and where everything is taking place. So there's a battle in our lives in the idea of prayer. But understand, nobody has shed more blood in this war than the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father had a plan for Jesus to go to war for sin. Jesus was the only one who was able to make the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. So it was His blood that was on the line. 
line. And it was his blood that was shed on Calvary. So Paul says, now because you're in Jesus Christ, Ephesians is about being invited into a relationship. Paul says, now that you're in Jesus Christ, live in the reservoir of the grace and the mercy of God. Let Jesus fill you to the fullness of all. And he says, pray with all kinds of prayers. I remember when we were on vacation one time, we were coming back from Alabama, going back to Tennessee through Georgia, getting back to our home in Tennessee, and I had just gotten an alarm system at my home. And I remember the last thing that I did is I had the booklet in front of me, and the last thing it says is it comes with just kind of a, a, a pattern of a code, but you should change the code, because the code's like one, two, three, four, anybody would know that one. So you should dial it in, the last thing, to change your passcode. So that's what I did before I left on vacation. I dialed in the new code and I put it in. The problem was when we were coming back from vacation, it was about, we were going to get home about 1.30 in the morning. I realized about 8 o'clock in the evening that I had forgotten the passcode to the alarm system that I actually have access to. And so when I got to thinking about that, I called the alarm company and I left them a message and, and I just said, listen, I, I have this new alarm. I have forgotten what I had put the passcode in. Can you help me? I'm going to be coming home at 1.30. I need to know something. I called all of my neighbors. We had 12 people that lived in our neighborhood. And I said, if you hear an alarm go off at 12.30 or 1 in the morning, it's probably my house and it's me that's entering into the house. And finally what happened was I got a call back worrying about the passcode because you have to have access in order to enter in to the alarm system. And so the idea was I called all of my neighbors and I warned them. When the alarm company called me back, the gentleman said, don't worry, sir, our alarms only last for 10 minutes. If you dial in the wrong code, after 10 minutes, you don't have to worry about anything. It doesn't go any further than that. And I said, sir, I want to thank you for the confidence in using your company. Because basically what that tells me is a burglar has got 10 minutes and then it's over with. He can do whatever he wants. So thank you very much. So the idea was we get home, 1.30 in the morning. It is pouring rain. In my mind, I have three codes. I have three numbers that I've jogged in my mind that I think that I set as the passcode. You open the door and it kind of lets you know, you're in. And all of a sudden, I'm having to go to the keypad and punch them in. The first one didn't work. I went to the second one. The second one didn't work. Uh, Leslie and Cole, they were there. And all of a sudden, the third one, it, it let me in without rattling the neighborhood. And I started to think about that in my spiritual life. Prayer, what gives us access to God, what gives us access to the man inside the armor is the code of prayer, and it's Jesus Christ. He gives us access to God the Father. We don't have to go through anybody. We go directly to him. We pray for this team. We pray for our lives. We pray for those in Midland and Odessa. We pray that we could be usable, moldable, pliable people that have the armor on the inside. So Paul says, look at the text, verse 18, pray always with all prayer. So prayer is this. Prayer is standing. We've talked about standing with God. We've talked about the armor. Paul talked about stand therefore. So we stand in Christ. We stand with our armor fixed and firm in Jesus Christ. And as we're standing, we're saying to God, we trust Him. We trust Him with everything. And as we stand... And as we trust Him, only then can we learn to pray. We are standing first, now we're praying. Prayer is a relationship. 
we have come to so many mountain truths and summits of gospel truth in the book of Ephesians. Big mountain peaks of God's grace in His mercy. And now prayer is going to unlock everything because prayer gives us access into the truths that are already ours in Jesus Christ. And remember, prayer is not a list. Prayer is a love relationship. So Paul says, pray always. Why would you pray always? Because you pray always with all kinds of prayers because you and I face all kinds of situations. And so what the word prayer means in the original language here, it's an attitude of the heart. That's what prayer is. The word prayer means to make a vow to God. So as I'm standing in the victory that is already mine in Jesus Christ, remember we've talked about this, we don't move to victory, we move from it. So as I'm standing in the victory that is already mine in Jesus, I'm standing, I'm now praying and I'm making a vow to God that I am going to trust Him no matter what happens in my life. I am covered with the armor. No matter what He allows to come into my life, I can be in an attitude of prayer and that attitude is a vow to God and it's not shooting with a gun with a crooked sight. If you shoot a gun with a crooked sight, you're always going to be off. But this word for prayer means I'm dialing directly into the password of Jesus Christ and I have direct relationship with him. So that's what Paul's saying. So prayer is so important in our lives. And when you pray, and when I pray, I'm not informing God of what's going on in my life. He knows all things, past, present, and future. When I pray, and when you pray, we're not informing God, we're listening to God. Listen to me carefully. We get ourselves in a position to be in a still place so we can listen to the still, small voice. My problem is I don't like to be still. And we don't like to be still. We don't like to wait on God. But prayer gives us the ability to wait on God. Just like the search team, prayer gives us the ability to trust the team, to trust the God in the team, to trust that God's got everything under control, to trust that we can continue to pray and continue to move on and continue to walk out this life and flesh it out in the grace of God. Paul says, 18, pray always with all prayer because there's all kinds of situations that you will face in your life and I will face in my life. So it's an attitude of prayer. In our house, we have what is called this bed jet. A bed jet, you may not know this. This is not advertisement. I get no cut off of this. But a bed jet is like an air conditioned system for your bed. And so there's this, um, I call it a pipe that goes into your sheets and then there's this uh, housing that, uh, where air comes in and it pumps the air at a pretty good pace. You can set it whatever you want. So if you have the ceiling fanned on and you have the box fanned on, you're, you're only getting air from the top and the bottom and the sides. But if you have a bed jet, it's actually pumping air right in through your sheets. And so the sheets have these ripples in it. And all night long, you can feel the air condition. I love it. All night long, you can feel that air condition. I don't sweat it. I just love it. It's good. And so the idea is this air just permeates every part of my body and every part of the bed and every part of the sheets. And the idea of prayer because of my relationship with Jesus Christ and because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Prayer gives us access to God. It's an attitude of our heart. It's a vow to God and it allows us to penetrate every area of our life because we are at war. 
We are in a battle. We are in a battle for our lives. We are in a battle for the enemy of, uh, of the souls of men, and that is Satan. Satan is trying to take people out, so we need to be battle ready. We need to make sure we have a vow toward God. We need to make sure that prayer is circulating in our lives, and we have the air condition of the Spirit working in us. Now, here's what Paul says. Look at the text. Pray always with all prayer and supplication. That means to be specific. So the idea is, shoot with a shotgun. You kind of, prayer is an attitude, uh, a vow toward God. This one is, is uh, shoot with a rifle specifically. Shoot with a shotgun, shoot with a rifle. So the idea is this is a specific kind of prayer. So we have foxhole prayers. We have repentant prayers. We have confession in our life. We have intercession in our life. And always remember this, prayer is always initiated by God, not by man. It's always initiated by God. You and I don't try to come up with something to pray. God lays things on our hearts, and He initiates prayer. And if He initiates prayer, it's because we have a relationship with Him. And when He initiates prayer, watch this, in His sovereignty, in our free will, we respond, and we pray, and we listen, and we get ourselves in a position, in a still place, to hear the still, small voice, so that God can speak to us on the battlefield, so that we can be battle-ready, and we can enjoy our relationship with God. Praying always with all prayer, I'm going slow here, and supplication in the Spirit, in the Spirit. So the idea is Paul saying you've got to pray in the Spirit. Well, if you want to pray for the Holy Spirit's agenda, the Holy Spirit's agenda will always be revealed through the Word of God. It is God's will. It is God's Word. This is what life weighs. So we have God's will and we have God's way. If you want to pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will always lead you to the Word of God and the truth of God's Word. Listen carefully. I bank my life on the teachings of God's Word. And we have for 53 years banked our life on the pure, unadulterated teaching of God's Word. Not what we feel, not what our emotions want us to feel. We bank everything we are on the Word of God. If you want to have a prayer life that's vibrant, that's accurate, that shoots like a rifle, then you have to pray for the Holy Spirit's agenda in your life. And the Holy Spirit will always reveal Himself through the precious Word of God. It's not a prayer language, it's a prayer relationship with God Almighty. So as we pray for God to lead us to whoever He has to lead us and shepherd us in this church, in this family, we pray God's Word. And listen, prayer is not work, it is worship. It is worship to God. So we pray in the Spirit. Now, if you're going to pray in the Spirit... You have to be under control of the Spirit if you're going to be in the Spirit. So Paul's already told us how to be under control in the Holy Spirit. He's already told us that we can't be a fish out of water. If you take a fish out of water and it goes flapping on the shore, it's going to flap for a while. But if you leave it out there on the shore, it's going to die. Because that's not the environment for the fish to live out of water. The environment for the fish to live is in the water. They can't live fishy out of the fishy water. They've got to live in the water. And so Paul is saying, 
for our prayer life. Why pray? Pray because in the Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit that lives in us, He teaches us how to pray even when we don't know how to pray. And even when our emotions don't want to engage in prayer, the Spirit leads us to the Word of God and the agenda of God and the work of God and the will of God and the way of God. You pray and I pray. God, whatever you want to do, we pray that you will accomplish your work through our lives. Paul is writing this, keep in mind, from prison. Here's what he says. So not only do we pray in the Spirit, but we're watchful to the end with all perseverance. We're watchful to the end with all perseverance. Being watchful means to be alert. Being watchful means to be on guard. Have you seen a security guard at Walmart? Have you seen one at ATB? Have you seen one uh, at Kroger? Sure, they're not very alert. <laughs> kind of casual. How you doing, sir? I'm fine. How you doing? Bless you. Have a good day. You take a person who's a security guard in Afghanistan that is fighting against the Taliban, and they are watchful. They are persevering. They're on the front lines of the battle because they know if they fail that somebody, a comrade, will die. That's the idea that we come to in prayer. We come to this battlefield in prayer, not sleep on, but pray on and watch on. And we are watchful. We are waiting for God to do what only he can do. We're not like Rip Van Winkle who slept through the Revolutionary War for 20 years. He went up onto a mountaintop and had this long beard. What happened? Well, see, in the Christian world, what has happened is we have lethargy, we have passiveness, we have uh, apathetic uh, people in the Christian life, and we're falling asleep at the wheel. And Paul is saying, listen, when you have Christ in you, he makes you watchful. He makes you persevere. Now, listen, I promise you, this message hits me between the eyes. I don't pray near enough. In fact, for me, Five minutes is really hard at times to stay focused. It is. I'll be honest with you. I can be praying and be in the Spirit, and then all of a sudden my mind wanders. Anybody else have that problem? Here's the point. What your mind wanders to is what you need to be concerned about. Did you hear me? What your mind wanders to and what my mind wanders to... That's what we need to be concerned because the scheme of the devil is to distract us and derail us from the mission of God and to derail us from doing all that God wants us to be. He wants to derail us from praying. He wants to derail us from being watchful. And if he can just slip in a little deception there and get our minds to wonder, you see, when you veer off on that wondering, you need to be concerned about that issue. And the way that you pray is you pray the word of God. You pray knowing God's word. This is why we teach God's word around here in iConnect classes, in all three services, a Wednesday night. This is why we teach God's Word. So it says, verse 18, we're still there. Don't worry, we're finishing next week. Be watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all, watch this, this is beautiful, for all the saints. You see, your prayer life is not just for you. It's for other people. When God initiates prayer in your life, and when God initiates prayer in my life, and He burdens us, and somebody's name pops into our mind, we immediately pray for that person. 
You may not know the story. You may not know the situation. But you pray and you say, as the Spirit leads me. Uh, I don't know how to pray, but as the Spirit would lead me in Romans 8.26. He knows what to pray for. So pray through me. Holy Spirit, pray through me so that I will know what to pray for. Let me give you an example of this. A friend of mine, a pastor in Tennessee, was over in Romania. He was preaching in some very challenging situations, kind of undercover in some ways. And he got sick, 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 sicker than a dog. And he was preaching like four times the next day. He thought he was going to die. It was 1 a.m. in the morning. He was so sick, he began to pray. He said, God, just take me. I just feel like physically I can't do it. All of a sudden, he realized back home in his home church, it was about to be 6 o'clock for the evening service. And somebody said, as they started the service, we need to pray for our brother. Our brother is struggling right now. And they began to pray for him. He's on the other side of the world in Romania. They're in Tennessee. But the Spirit of God linked hearts and arms with people because the Spirit, when the Spirit says pray for all saints, He means it. And He'll burden you to pray for a situation or someone. And His fever broke in three minutes because people all the way across the other side of the world, we're praying for him. Pray for all the saints. Your prayer life is not just for you. It's for somebody else to be blessed with. And if you and I will walk in a way that's worthy of the calling, we can be serious with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can pray through us because the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to the agenda of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. So Paul says this, supplication in the Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Look at verse 19. Don't miss this. Verse 19. Here's what Paul said. And for me. And pray for me. Here's the Apostle Paul who wrote more than half of the New Testament. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon, 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, the book of Romans, this great treatise on doctrine, and then the whole book of Acts, the half, first half of the whole book of Acts is devoted to Paul, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul says, and would you pray for me? Can I tell you something? If the Apostle Paul needed people to pray for him, we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. And pray for me. Would you pray for me? Pray for me. I know you're praying for me. Pray for me. There are times when I feel like I could lose heart. I'm not afraid to ask Paul. He had such humility. He said, hey, I'm chained to a Roman guard, but would you pray for me? Pray that the message of Christ in me would be squeezed out while I've got a chain on my hand and chained to a Roman guard. See, some of you in this room are in situations that you're chained to. You're chained to a prison of your own making. Some of you are chained to a prison of a decision that you've made, and it's been a bad decision, and you're receiving the benefits of a bad decision. And you feel chained to that situation. Would you just in this moment say, God, if you haven't released me from that situation, you must want to use that situation in my life. Allow me to stay in these chains so I can surrender to you, so I can say to you, God, I trust you, and I'm going to pray to you, and I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Some of you may be in a marriage that's almost over, but it's not over yet. And God has you chained still. Still. 
Would you say, God, would you do whatever you want to do in my life? Whatever situation you want to do to squeeze the message of your grace and love through me. Paul says, and for me, we all need to pray for one another. Not only do we need to pray for this team, we need to pray for one another. Because it's not about a pastor coming, it's about us preparing our hearts. It's about me preaching the word of God and me prayerfully getting my heart right to preach for you. But it's also about you preparing your heart so you can listen to the word of God and receive it with meekness. Is that not right? It's a beautiful thing when we partner together and that's what Paul's saying here. So Paul tells me, and he says, and pray for me. This is encouraging to me. He has such humility. I want more of the humility of the grace that Paul demonstrates. Now, here's what he says. And that utterance may be given to me. Watch this. Paul says, and that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Look at it again. So all this prayer is so that his mouth would be opened with a message of clarity, concise clarity, to make known the mystery of the gospel. The word mystery, you know what it means? Something that was hidden that has now been revealed. Something that has been unveiled that was a secret. Paul's mystery, the mystery was that he was talking about of the gospel, was that he would preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So it was Christ in Paul, that's the mystery, Christ in him, the hope of glory. So Paul is preaching from a Roman prison cell to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying, make known the mystery of the gospel in me. Not once does he say, get me out of jail. Not once does he say, give me a nice mattress to sleep on. Not once does he say, give me better food. Not once does he put his finger on his position in prison. He puts his finger on the pulse beat of his relationship with Jesus. And he says, even in this prison, all prisons don't have bars. So you and I can be in a prison today and God can be using us to squeeze the message of his grace and his mystery so other people can come to know Jesus as their Savior. How beautiful is that? God has a mystery inside of you. And the mystery has now been revealed to you. It's Christ in you. For those of you that have trusted him. So the prayer is this. Watch this. The prayer is this. That Christ would come forth in his life. Is that not a good prayer to pray? How about Christ coming forth in your life? How about Christ coming forth in my life? When the angel came to Mary and said, Mary... You will conceive of the Holy Spirit, and Christ will come forth in your life. Well, in our lives, when Christ comes to live in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we receive the free gift of salvation, Christ comes in, watch this, so that Christ can come forth in our life. For 53 years, this church has been preaching Christ in you and Christ coming forth. Not for us, but so that God would release. Watch this. When you're in a prison like Paul, the focus can be on the prison. But if you'll get your focus off of the prison that you're in, and you'll get your focus on the God that lives in you in whatever prison you're in, then Christ can come forth in your life. And when Christ comes forth in your life, then people are revealed with the glory of God. It's Christ in you, which is glory in you, which is God in you, in your life, no matter what situation you're facing this morning, Christ in you is stronger and bigger and more powerful than any prison 
that you may be in today. Get your eyes off the prison. Get your eyes on the relationship that you have in prison. The mystery of the gospel came forth through Paul. Christ coming forth in our life. You know, Jesus didn't say, when you think about this, you know, people follow people a lot today. And they say, oh, I follow the teachings of uh, Buddha, or I follow the teachings of Muhammad, or I follow the teachings of Martin Luther. Uh, you know, I follow the teachings of this person. You follow the teachings of someone you don't even know. There are people that follow the teachings of people they don't even know. But listen to me. When you follow the teachings of Jesus, you can't separate the teachings of Jesus from the person of Jesus. You don't accept Jesus' teachings, you accept his person. You accept the whole package. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got it all. And no matter what you go through, Christ comes forth in your prison and in my prison so that God would reveal his glory through my life and through your life. Even through my pain, God, even through my pain, would your glory be revealed in my life so that people cannot see me, they can see you. God wants people to see himself in you, in your school, in your life, in your job. He does. God, strip away all pride, strip away all arrogance, strip away all dependency we have in man so that you could be revealed. Christ in you, the mystery of the gospel. I know this, people, there are a lot of people that follow the teachings of Jesus, but they don't follow Jesus. There are people that do as Jesus tells them to do. There are people that go to class and they follow the classroom teachings of Jesus. But you can go follow the classroom teachings of Jesus and you can follow the learning of Jesus and the doing of Jesus, but you don't have to follow him. You can do all that without him. But when you come into a relationship with him, then you connect the fact that prayer comes out of a relationship with him and you're following the teachings of Jesus and the obedience of the word because of the person that lives inside of you. Christ in you, in Paul. Paul said, I pray that the mystery of the gospel would be made known through me. And I'm in prison. He's caring for others. He's praying for others. Look at the text. I'm coming home. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So here's Paul. Paul has the mystery in him. He has Christ in him. He's chained to a Roman guard. He's an ambassador in chains. An ambassador would represent the emperor. And so the ambassador would live on the outpost of the city, but he would represent the emperor. So Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains. It's kind of an oxymoron because an ambassador for a country or a government was never to be put in prison because it would be illegal. However, Paul was in prison because he represented the king of kings and he was an ambassador in chains to Jesus Christ. Now watch this. So he's chained to a Roman guard and he's saying, I want the mystery to be coming through me. I want it to come forth. And so what Paul was saying, it's Christ in me, it's glory in me, it's God in me. Paul was saying, basically, I'm a cracked pot. I'm a cracked pot because of my situation. I, it's not the ideal situation. It's a challenging situation. But I'm going to yield and surrender. 
not to the prison. I'm going to yield and surrender to the one who allowed me to be in prison so that he could squeeze his message out to the Roman Empire through me because nobody else was going to reach him. And I'm going to pray for those people outside these prison walls that they'll be bold in their witness. So basically what God does in our lives, and I'm closing with this, what God does in our lives is He doesn't use perfect people. He uses people that are crackpots like you and me. We got cracks. We're all crackpots in here. All of God's children are crackpots. Is there anybody who isn't a crackpot in here? No, we all got issues. We all got stuff. We all need prayer. We all need a Savior. We all need to depend on Him. But here's what God's saying. He said, I'm not looking for a perfect situation. I'm not even looking for a person who's perfect. I'm looking to take my perfect life, which is the mystery of the gospel, and put you in a situation so you can shine through your cracked pot so that the world can get a little radiance of God's glory through your life. That's what God wants to do through you. Could we be faithful as a church? Preparing our hearts with the mystery of the gospel, which we're in chains. Paul even refers to himself as a prisoner of the Lord. You know what the word prisoner means? He's been captured. You know what the word captured means? He's overwhelmed by the grace of God. Why should we pray? Because the one who initiates all prayer lives in us. Prayer's not a list. It's a relationship through Jesus Christ. If you have never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, and you've prayed all kinds of prayers for all kinds of situations, but you've never prayed a prayer like this, Dear Jesus, I know I'm broken. I know I'm a sinner. I know I have a lot of cracks in my life. But the first prayer that I want to pray today is, Lord Jesus, come into this person's life, me, that has all the sin, all the mishaps, all the mistakes, all the weight of sin and guilt in my life. And would you come in and take over, forgive me of my sin, wash me clean, put your perfect life in me so that you can use me. You can be forgiven today. You can, right where you sit. You can trust Christ as your Savior. And God can put the mystery of Jesus in your life so that we can boldly speak the message of His grace.